This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 222. We are going to be talking about the five-year travel plan. Yes, we're talking about traveling for the next five years. Sarah and I have both realized that we haven't traveled much in the past 18 months. Well, we've traveled some, but not that much. And We certainly have places we'd like to go with our families. So we both have recently talked to our families and brainstormed where we would like to go over the next few years. And so we thought that this approach might be useful to you as well. So we're going to advocate for doing it and talk a little bit about why and where we're going uh, over the next five years. Sarah, why did you decide to do this? Because I did it because you did. So I'll get the reasoning from you. I don't really remember what prompted me to do it. I think it was more just Well, okay, I have a friend, a really good friend who lives near here, and we tend to always talk about future travel together, like, oh, let's do this trip together, and they're they're a family we have traveled with before, and so I started to think, like, well, how do I keep track, you know, how old my kids are going to be with each year and what kind of trip, and I think I'm also at this juncture where I'm realizing that travel is about to get a lot more easy and more fun, so it's 
it's just a fun exercise to think about like, oh my gosh, in two years, I'm going to have, you know, a five to six year old and 11 and 12, 11 to 12 year old and like a 10 year old. And that kind of travel is going to look so different from, you know, two years ago when I had a toddler screaming at the top of her lungs in the middle of the night. And so I wanted to write out the different years with the ages. And then I just started to think about like, hmm, you know, life is short. Life with your kids is very short. We have a limited number of these breaks. Like my husband and I are on call a lot. The kids are in school. We have to really like be strategic. Like, in fact, even though COVID restrictions are winding down for now, and hopefully we'll stay that way, although who knows, you know, we can't actually go anywhere this winter break because we're both working like the whole time in part to make up for last year's like COVID debacle. But you know, we really have to think ahead when we want to do stuff. And so I don't know, I just sat there one day and wrote out like 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025. I wrote the ages the kids would be at each of those. So I could kind of think about what would be like an age appropriate trip, like when would certain things be fun. And then I just brainstormed a possible spring break destination, a possible summer trip and a possible winter break trip. Are we always going to travel those three times? Maybe not. But Maybe. (laughs) I mean, it is something that I value. I think it's quality time and wonderful memories, you know, with the kids. And um, again, time with them is life is short and time with them is short. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. uh, The more I thought about it, I was like, well, this, you know, I often think about the whole year at once. And in fact, I just answered a question from a magazine for an upcoming article about why you should plan one year at a time. Apparently, there's some day in January or February that's National Plan Your Vacation Day. I love these made-up holidays. So they are using that as a news hook of to doing a piece uh, about this. And I was like, ah, well, hey, I would even do it before January, but whatever. <laughs> you you well, do it January. My first thought was like, if there's a Plan Your Vacation Day, I want to plan mine the week before. So, that, okay, so yeah, I know terrible. you're not like there where everyone's. I don't think it's a widely observed holiday. Let me just Let me just put that out there. But then I was like, well, how about five years? And obviously, you have to plan very loosely the further you go into the future. You're probably not going to actually be able to book a hotel for four years from now in many cases. But the five-year travel plan has a few benefits. First, you can make sure that everyone gets their interests covered. So if people have a destination they would love to go to and they know it's coming up in the next few years, then they may be less likely to advocate it for any given time as you're debating what you do for a particular vacation. Uh, You can start getting excited about these trips. You can make financial plans to accommodate them. So for instance, if you want to make a family trip to Australia in three years, that might require some advance planning financially. And therefore, you can start setting aside money for it if you know that's something you want to do. You can prepare it in other ways, like if you're going to have to have a kid learn to ski by the time a certain vacation is coming up, or if people are going to want to get their scuba diving licenses, or brush up on your Spanish. You spoke it in college, but haven't spoken it since, and you want to go to a Spanish-speaking country. Now would be a good time to get that Duolingo app back out if you know you're going to go to a Spanish-speaking country in the next year or two. Uh, You can also get buy-in on smaller group trips, which you could consider as part of the travel portfolio for the next five years, like each parent taking an individual older child somewhere while the other covers the little kids or whatever. And if you will be taking extended family, obviously you want to give them a heads up as well. So they know to, I don't know, if they've got vacation scheduling issues or kids in school that they want to compare dates with you for, say, 2023 or something like that. 
So there's just a lot of reasons to think about it. Again, you're not going to like book the exact dates necessarily in 2024 because like you don't even know what your school calendar is going to be then. Although you could figure out when Christmas is or when (laughs) Rosh Hashanah is or whatever dates your school has off. However, you can think about it. Yeah, I highly recommend doing, you know, even as much as I love to plan on paper, this was one I prefer to have in my Apple Notes doc or on, you know, an online way so that I can easily delete and, you know, not have to worry about messing up my beautiful list. I've already made changes to it. Obviously, there was 2020. I think I had never had booked as much travel in my life compared to what I had planned for 2020. So I think I think the good news is if we have something like that happen again, I'm not going to say we're all going to take it well because I think it would hurt after just having done it. But let's say we have something like that happen like 10 years from now. I think, I don't know, I personally learned a lesson like you can't count on anything. So these are these plans are like, if if we can, if if it works, not like I'm expecting everything that I've written down to perfectly come to fruition because Annabelle already changed her mind about where she'd like to go. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And I already changed something around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, life is unknowable. I mean, it is completely unknowable. And, you know, if, if as I say to people, sometimes if 2020 was the first time in your life, you realize that you've led a very charmed life. But, uh, you know, that was certainly a reminder that, you know, we can't necessarily know what the year is going to bring in terms of our travel. We had a lot of great travel planned for 2020 as well. You know, Sarah and I, were going to go to Germany together. We will have to re- revisit that at some other point or go somewhere else together, but we'll, we'll make a trip at some point. My choir was going to Israel and Jordan. Now, I had already decided I wasn't going to do that trip for sure when I learned that I was pregnant in 2019 and that I would have the baby in late 2019. And, you know, that was for the summer of 2020. You know, it's not going to take two weeks to go on an international trip when I had a six-month-old. But that was something I had been considering. And then Michael and I were going to go to Asia for a work trip for him at one point later in the year. And obviously, none of those happened. But on the other hand, we got to do some other domestic travel that was kind of cool. I took my big kids to Yellowstone in fall of 2020, which was something that was on my bucket list. And because we weren't making other trips, I said, well, we could do this one. And we went out in nature, exploring the national park. You know, it's so cool to see the changing leaves in that environment. It snowed one morning in September because if fall comes very early, winter comes early. It was, it was amazing. I'm really glad we did it. And so it's still fun to think about what kind of trips you would like to take, even if the exact trips you thought you would take don't happen. Because Yellowstone had been a trip I knew I wanted to take with my kids. And when I realized that other trips were not happening, I said, well, we can move that up from a future year and and do that this time. Totally makes sense. Something very nature focused. And hey, your kids have been like understimulated. So they probably were in a better shape to like (laughs) appreciate those beautiful. Well, also just because everyone had canceled their plans or they had canceled reservations and then opened it back up, we could get a really good spot. I mean, we our our room overlooked Old Faithful. So we could like sit in bed and watch it explode. <laughs> and and I can tell you from past trips, because I have gone to Yellowstone in the past, it's hard to get that room. <laughs> so because of, you know, the pandemic, it was available. And so that was really cool. I mean, there were other things that weren't available, like we had to get takeout from like a canteen for every meal. But on the other hand, we were watching Old Faithful. So, you know, some good, some bad. You take it as it comes. 
All right, so Sarah, let's start with your five-year plan. Uh, We'll get through a few of this before we need to take our break. All right. Well, first, I guess I'll introduce the concept. Can I talk about that? The 10-year-old? Okay. Okay. So I don't know when I came up with this, but at some point, I may not have even had kids yet, but I was like, I think it would be cool if when our kids are 10, they get to pick where the... I think I was just fantasizing about what I would have liked to do when I was 10, because this would have been like the best thing ever. We can let them pick a family trip, like anywhere in the 48 states, wherever they want to go. And it could be like North Dakota. Like, I don't care. We'll plan something fun wherever they want. And then maybe when they're 15, I came up with that arbitrarily, they can pick an international trip. Now, there's probably going to be limits to that. (laughs) I don't think we're going to go to like Asia for a month or something just because it's a 15-year-old wanted to. But we might as well leave it open and see what they come up with. And yeah, so I, I came up with that. And now we like almost have a 10 year old. And we've actually it's been wonderful. Because when Annabelle and I end up going for walks, the topics of our discussion are always number one, what she wants to do for her birthday party. Number two, various planner stuff she wants to get. And number three, her 10 year old trip. Like those are our like topics that we cycle through. And so I don't know, it's been a fun thing to like think about together. For a long time, she had said she wanted to go to Colorado. But then she decided there were too many wild animals there and pivoted to DC, which I'm actually kind of really excited about because she will turn 10 in April, which is cherry blossom season. So we could actually time that really nicely if we're lucky because that's when spring break is as well. So anyway, 2022, it's Annabelle's birthday trip for spring break. The summer is going to be some New England stuff because I do have my college reunion and I think we're going to do another little New England trip and probably stop to visit my parents as well around the time of camp drop off because we could talk about another episode, but that's happening. (laughs) And then in December, I'm hoping that we go for our first family ski trip. So kids in ski school, they've never done it before. So I'm totally shocked to the system for their Floridian selves. And then for 2023, I have spring break maybe in like Asheville and North Carolina to see my sister. This summer, I'm hoping for an Alaska Disney cruise. And you mentioned saving. I actually have a little savings bucket that I had like started. And then when we canceled it, I just like left the money there. So I'm like, okay, this very overpriced adventure, like we're good. We can take it at any point. <laughs> and then- Are um, you at least getting interest in that account? I hope you're getting some, like no, if you've locked up really. cash I mean, it's for not multiple like years. That, you know, we're, well, that could be a whole other episode. I probably should be getting, you know, we get plenty of interest in most of our money, but I, I'm sure I have way too this is a terrible conversation. We should just erase. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, it actually matters. Like, I mean, if you are having a specific right. saving account and you're bothering to put money away more than you're a right. year ahead of something, I should throw it into the to a tax to the taxable brokerage. That would probably be a smarter thing to do if it's well. No, you wouldn't well, want to lose the money. Yeah, I mean, so you I don't, don't want to lose it. You don't want to necessarily put it in index funds because if the market tanks and you've lost, you know, fifteen percent of your money, and of the course, like you could gain fifteen percent, you could lose fifteen percent, but just that you don't want to be getting 0.02% interest on it, right? So I mean, that's, that's like every bank. I think yeah. we have it, TMI, and one of those online banks that is slightly better than that, but okay. there's no interest that's good anymore. Wow, this took a turn. All right, let's take a break. Short-term <laughs> bonds. Short-term bond funds. All right. <laughs> Go talk to your accountant. Next, next up. <laughs> no, let's take our ad break. We'll be right back. I can't. All 
right. Well, we are back talking about our five-year travel plans with the slight digression of where you put the funds if you are saving specifically for specific trips. I'm sure our listeners have great ideas. So if anyone has come up with a you know, way to fund trips that you know that's what the money is for, but you're not getting ridiculously puny amounts of interest on it, please let us know. That would be a great service to all of our listeners that we can share. So you guys were talking uh, the cruise and skiing. I think we're up to 2024 now. (laughs) We are. And in 2024, my children, if you'd like to know, will be six, 11 turning 12. And I don't know why I did it in this order, but and then nine turning 10. So six, nine turning 10, 11 turning 12. And we had Cameron's choice for spring break because he will have his 10th birthday. Summer, I was thinking Portland, Seattle, Whistler, which is actually a recreation of a trip we did in 2018 2018, when Genevieve had just learned to walk. We actually had a great time, but I think we'll have a great time again. And we have a lot of friends in that area. And then in December, I'm thinking either we ski if it's been a happy thing and we want to just keep doing that. Or maybe that's the year we go to Hawaii because I love Hawaii. Hawaii would be fun. And then finally, my 2025 was Genevieve. Oh, no, there's another one, too. This goes on. I'm sorry. Genevieve 7, Cameron's 11, Annabelle's 13, maybe another cruise, Grand Canyon, Yosemite, time to do that. And then skiing again, maybe we'll have to see how this whole skiing thing goes. And then like finally, if nobody likes to ski, I guess the, this will rework the whole five year plan. I feel like they're going to like it. I mean, I like to ski. Josh likes to ski. Cameron, there's no doubt in my mind that he will. Like oh, he'll it. like it. He'll like it. The question is the other two. The other two. Annabelle is a big black box there. We will. We will. I'll let you all know. And then 2026, when I have an eight year old, a 12 year old and a 14 year old, I was thinking, well, spring break, I don't know, somewhere in like Nashville or Austin, summer, an international trip, maybe Iceland or Denmark or the Netherlands, and then December, either skiing or some kind of island. And then I also added at Josh's request, a family bike trip. He took a New England biking trip with his parents that actually has like a million hilarious kind of sad, not sad, but like unfortunate tales associated with it, like cars broken down, etc. But like that trip has lived its mileage in stories. And I think he's hoping to to recreate it, although maybe not with like broken down cars. Yeah, That's there's some really cool bike trips. Like you can take those as a group internationally. I did one with uh, REI many years ago to bike through France, which was pretty cool. You know, seeing the countryside of France by bike. And then Michael and I did a bike trip in Vietnam with uh, going through the villages in backcountry of Vietnam through the Mekong Delta. We actually went through a local Vietnamese travel agency. It was one of these random things. I love the internet, like, because we sort of looked at like, who are the American tour operators contracting with? Because the way it works is like, the Americans then contract with local companies and they sort of take their cut and put you with theirs. So like, well, let's cut out the middleman, like go hire directly the Vietnamese company. And so we you know, had a very affordable biking trip. I mean, once we got to Vietnam, it cost money to get there. But, you know, we were just biking through the countryside, just the two of us. It was great with our guide. So something to consider. Uh, you can do that internationally, not just uh, in, a, in America. Yeah, we had this discussion because you had suggested we do it. And so I asked my kids where they wanted to go over the next five years. So Jasper wants to go to Paris, partly for the city. Like he wants to see the Eiffel Tower. He wants to see a show in Paris. He likes theater and stuff like that. But also 
to go see Euro Disney, (laughs) which is in France. So that sounds awesome. He is okay taking his other siblings. So theoretically, like, we could do this as like even a long weekend trip. It's possible to do Europe as a long weekend. It's a little crazy, but something that could do. Sam wants to go to Japan. So that was, you know, he has been really pushing this. He's sent me texts with like the best things to do in Japan. We're going to a sushi restaurant soon. Uh, the He wants to, he loves Japanese food. He doesn't want to take his siblings. <laughs> he wants me to take him to Japan. So we'll see if that that could could happen. I mean, we'll we'll see. The problem there is it can't happen anytime soon because Japan is still enforcing a 10-day quarantine for vaccinated travelers, which both of us are, but anyway, that hopefully COVID will be better and that will change in the course of the next year or two. And then maybe we can consider doing that because while my husband might be willing to cover for a week, I don't think he'll also want to cover a 10-day quarantine plus the week. <laughs> so that that may be uh, more in the future. The kids also mentioned Norway. Michael lived in Norway for five years. So it's a destination that he and I have been to a few times, but it would actually be a great summer family trip to Scandinavia. So Norway, Denmark, there's like a Legoland in Denmark, I think, because that's where it's based. Sweden has great stuff as well. Castles, the fjords in Norway are beautiful. So that could be a really awesome trip um, to do those three countries. I'm thinking maybe we can even push for summer 2023 on that. Henry will be three and a half. Maybe we'd been better off waiting till he's four and a half, but at some point Jasper's going to leave too. So we, you know, and while I hope he'll come home for the summers, I can't count on that happening. So, you know, we got to keep that in mind as we are. That's so sad. That's wow. That's like kind of, wow. Yeah. And then Hawaii, which we might do as like a spring break or Christmas trip some year, I think. Again, it's a long flight, so I'm, you know, Henry needs to be old enough to reliably watch videos because otherwise it's just miserable. We went when Ruth was five. We did not take, was she six? Five or six. We didn't take Alex with us. He was two. And, you know, even even her, it was rough. Like the, the older boys just watched movie after movie the whole way, but she got a little restless. As you do, I got restless. Um, you know, adults just keep a little bit more tabs on it. <laughs> so yeah, those, that's on our list. We'll see. We'll see which of those destinations. Uh, I don't have exact times for all of those, but I think you know, in the next five years, I do believe we could do those. We could do you know, Paris, Japan, Norway, and Hawaii. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I purposely exactly the flight and the time change is the limiting factor. For Hawaii, I think. So but I the, the, the thing is, like, there are elements of the travel that are just going to stick, right? And there's nothing you can do about that. So either you decide that it's going to be worth it because you want to see the place, or you don't. But it's not like you're going to magically not have a time change going to Hawaii or magically get a shorter flight. So true. But like doing that with an 18 month old, well, and no, I wouldn't do to that. To me, that's like not worth like no, decidedly no. not worth the pain. <laughs> no. But once your kids are five, right? Like, you know, it, yes, it, no, totally. Yeah. Totally. It could be, it could be doable. Like it won't be fun, 
but it's doable. So. so we have some tips for family travel that we would like to share. A few that Sarah and I have found work really well. Uh, number one, use Airbnb or Verbo instead of hotels when you can. Sarah, you've had some personal experience with this, right? <laughs> <laughs> the trouble yes, of hotel rooms. Yes, we've all heard about that. And then we've had a recent Verbo experience that was wonderful. So yeah, I've, I've seen the light. Yeah. I mean, if you have a baby who fusses going down or gets up earlier, it just is that much harder when you're worried about everyone else in the hotel hearing you. Um, plus being able to have multiple bathrooms, for instance, can be convenient if there are many of you who might need to use the bathroom simultaneously, for instance. Carry-ons for kids. Have in there snacks, device, headphones, and a change of clothes. Empty water bottles once you get through that you can fill once you get through security and Ziploc bags because things get wet and messy. Um, you know, one anchor event per day. You you are a fan of this. Yes. I think my husband would put in like four per day. If I left it up to him, I'm like maximum of one and maybe a day in there with none. Like one day in the middle of all the days where you just like. Or your anchor event is like something very lazy, like see a movie. Well, because the up, I mean, when we say anchor events, that means a thing that you know you're going to do during that day, right? Like you figured out the logistics for that thing. And the the reason to have that, of course, is that you know you're going to do something, like you're not wasting a vacation day. But on the other hand, your day isn't packed so completely full that you are racing from thing to thing. And if you find yourself in like, some really cute town that's got a gorgeous festival going on. You're like, no, 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 we must be at this place in six minutes. There will be no enjoying this small town festival. I also think that like a lot of times when we go on vacation, we start off so tired that we just, we just can't pack in a ton or we won't have fun and the kids will get cranky. I mean, maybe this will change as our, our kids are older, but as much as people like to say, oh, a trip with kids is not a vacation. It's a trip. I want it to have some vacation-like elements. And if I'm trying to do like crazy amounts of stuff, even if it's in another country where I know like, yes, the chance to see XYZ is limited, but I'd rather really enjoy the things that we do see and go on one hike. I follow a blogger that like when they travel, I'm always like, oh my God, like I'm so tired just looking at this. I don't know. I mean, I work out. It's not like I have like poor stamina, but I wouldn't want to go to like five different sites in a day. We. I sometimes That's do neat. that, <laughs> but I, I still think like the one anchor event a day is, is, is good in general. It's a nice balance between, you know, vacation spontaneity, but also vacation knowing you're going to have something that you're, you're going to do. Identify parks or playgrounds near where you are staying. This is really good for blowing off steam or walking with a toddler who is up early. Helpful to know where those are. If you have people who are not necessarily going to eat everything in your party, which many people do if they have young kids. We found that Italian restaurants are often a good bet because you can often convince them to give you plain noodles as a dish. And then the other people can order normal food as one does in a restaurant. But you you found that even like Asian fusion, you can do that, right? Like, Yeah, no, I was, uh, you know, something that pizza will always make my family happy. A burger type brewery will always make my family happy. And then like some kind of like sushi or Asian fusion type place will always make everybody happy because you can always, my kids do like sushi, but also there's always plain old rice, which no one can really complain about yeah. too much. So your picky eater can get plain rice and the rest of you can order again, real food. Or I love your next option. 
Oh, oh yes. No, this, this next option is like, we do this all the time and the kids know ice cream for lunch. Yep. So especially when you like, if you're staying in a and b or something and you have like a nice breakfast, like you don't feel like you need like a whole meal, but going all the way, especially like asking your kids to go all the way from like 9am till 5 or 6pm is, is a lot of hours. So we find that the perfect interlude is stopping at a cute little ice cream shop and having ice cream for lunch. It's usually, I mean, I say like health wise, it's probably not that much worse than anything else you need at a restaurant. <laughs> and the kids love it. No one's complaining about it. It's very cost effective. And it's usually like just enough to like get you through the day. So we do that frequently on vacation. Yeah. Museums can be challenging. One idea that I've done at our local museum with Ruth is to have some sort of scavenger hunt. So in this case, we had to take 30 pictures of 30 depictions of flowers. And so it was a reason to look at stuff for about an hour before there was any complaining. You got to set your expectations at a certain level. Like the kid is not going to want to spend all day at the Louvre, unfortunately, even though you might want to. But you might be able to get yourself 60 to 90 minutes and see the highlights if you have some sort of quest for them to do. I've done a similar thing on hikes where like, I'll give them my phone and be like, take some very artistic pictures of nature. And then they come up with very silly things and you get time to walk and nobody's complaining. Yeah. We wanted to share a few tips from our Patreon page. We want to do these anonymously because people may not have meant to have... (laughs) their tips uh, shared with their names on it or anything on on the blog, on the podcast. But just a couple to remind people of, of these sorts of good ideas. One is for older kids, have them pack their own backpack for the trip. You obviously can supervise, like to make sure that they haven't put, you know, a giant bottle of shampoo if you're only bringing carry-ons, for instance. But saying everything has to go in the backpack and you can't, you know, have extra stuff can help limit what they do. You want to keep going? Sure. I like this tip. I haven't done it for a while, but bring grandparents. They said they frequently travel with their mother and it's a nice way to spend time with them. And she gets an interesting trip while they do all the planning. Plus there's an additional adult to take the toddler out of the restaurant or get up with a jet lag baby. So consider that. Yeah. Another idea is that if you are going to be jet lagged, do the more relaxing part of your trip first. So if you are doing a, you know, see all the museums in a city part of a trip and a, you know, just tour around the countryside part of the trip, do the tour around the countryside part first. Or if you're going beach and amusement park, I don't know, you could do the beach part first, although maybe you just want to do the amusement park and tire your kids out. So that that works as well. Another one is to not be afraid of solo travel with one kid even if the kid is relatively young, because if it is a one-on-one trip, it is a lot easier than even if you have two parents, but lots of kids. So you might even consider doing international trips uh, with one child, I think over the age of five, again, but one parent can handle one child in a way that, you know, even two parents might have a harder time handling three. Headphone splitter. Mm, I agree one. with that. That's such an easy thing to have on hand that can solve a lot of battles and you'll just be so happy you have it and they're cheap and available. Bribery is another tip that you can relax the rules to encourage good behavior on trips because a kid might be marginally more likely to behave at a museum if they know they are getting ice cream for lunch. 
So that's something you can hold out there as an idea. Oh, and I love this last one. Rather than souvenirs, encourage kids to look for something specific like a Christmas ornament that could commemorate the trip, cool museum postcards uh, that you could then frame at home. But it's a great way to keep a reminder of the adventure without cramming bags full of junk. And then it allows the kids to channel that impulse that they want to buy something into something that you might use as opposed to the vast majority of stuff that you were not. I also like this person's um, an end of day contest to guess how many steps we took. I just think that's cute. (laughs) That is cute. And many times it's a lot. (laughs) That is one of the upsides of family travel. All right. Well, let's go to our question for the week. Sarah, why don't you address this? Because you have more. Go ahead. Yeah, this this may be an immediate reality, a soon reality for both of us. So, well, hoping. All right. So, so I'm hoping you can talk about moving with kids. My husband and I just purchased our first home. It's also our first time moving with our two-year-old. We're moving one town over. So kind of like, well, Laura and I are moving even less than that. But, but yeah, so not across the country. I'd love to hear about anything you've learned to make the moving with kids process more efficient and less stressful for everyone. How do you make time for packing? Do you outsource everything? We need all the advice we can get. So I'm hoping, yes, this should air before their move. So that's helpful. We have outsourced as much as possible in the past. Full disclosure, we had some prior moves paid for by work because sometimes that's a perk when you start a new job. But I think we will shell out for some of the same things like having somebody else pack you up and having, I don't think we paid for the like the unpacking. I believe we did the unpacking, but they did all of the packing. Like, I don't remember. I think we we did like our few valuables and everything else. They just came in and it was like amazing on the truck. <laughs> I do think decluttering as much as you can so you don't move stuff you don't want is helpful. Do not have it in your brain that you're going to like put your feet up in a picture perfect house on day two. Like, Maybe Laura will, because she spent a lot of time working on this new house, but I know that we won't. It takes a while to really move in somewhere fully and have your stuff where you want it. And it may take some trial and error. I do think if you can send your kids away for a bit to a family member, to a kind friend, set up an exchange of kids, whatever you have to do, because having them out of the way is helpful. Make one of the first things you do in the new place be set up your TV and play area so the kids can have stuff to do while you unpack everything else. And then finally, I will just say from personal experience, I did a lot of fretting about switching schools mid-year. Again, your mileage may vary. And I've heard people say, well, for my family, XYZ, but for us, the younger is easier. The older your kids get, the more attached they are to their classmates and friends and the less excited they'll be about moving. I think the only exception would be like, if your kid's at a cut point where the school tends to, like maybe maybe you're at a private school that only goes to eighth grade. So like, you know, everyone would have moved anyway, then it might not be a big deal. But otherwise, I think it's harder for, for older kids. Yeah, we're about to face this down. I mean, yes, we plan to hire movers. I mean, we're driving some of the stuff over because it's only two miles away, but probably we're going to need people to pack it all up and move it over. I've seen that it's helpful to have one box that is like, unpack this first. So it's like anything you kind of actively need in the first 24 hours needs to be separated out so that you can have access to it in the first 24 hours. Because obviously, you know, you can go out and buy more toilet paper, but if you already owned toilet paper, like you probably want to have that available to you. 
by the time people are using the new bathrooms. So that's something that uh, you might do. Or pet food. Uh, when we moved from New York, like we had our pet food boxed up, our fish food. So we had the fish in a little bowl, like at my feet, like driving from New York. We got here and like, where's the fish food? So we're hunting around for that. But yeah, we had boxes for a long time. I mean, it just was a, you know, a matter of weeks before they were put away as opposed to a matter of days. And so if you can just sort of steal yourself for that, because you are not going to magically have more time or more energy just because you moved. Like, and so if if you can just acknowledge that, then you'll probably be happier. So we'll put that out there. All right. So our love of the week, uh, Sarah, what's your, what's your love of the week this week? Oh, I'm going to go with my Madewell perfect vintage jeans because I order them and I like them and I feel slightly more in style <laughs> now that skinny jeans are not cool anymore. Not cool anymore. So I, what, what is, or I'm going to say that the uh, Bowdoin catalog my daughter picked out a bunch of really cute clothes from the mini Bowden thing. And it's, it's fun to buy, you know, cute clothes for a girl who's still into cute stuff. I'm sure that will change in the next year or two. And there will be all sorts of stuff that I won't want her to be wearing. But for now, she likes the cute little girlsy stuff. So it was fun to order some sweater dresses and leggings and cute pajamas. So big fan of, of that catalog. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. I love that one. We've been talking our five-year travel plan and how to move with young kids. Uh, We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time. For more on making work and life work together. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.